Welcome to the Vineyard Northridge Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Dennis Kozloff. For more information about our church, visit our website at vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge. We need religious detox because we're living organisms. We're born again. We have life inside of us, but this life is often suppressed and doesn't manifest because of those sickening particles that are flowing through the veins of our, the fibers of our soul, of our being. And that's why we don't come up to the level where God wants us to be. And where does God want us to be? Every single one of you, if you are a Christian, do you understand that your high calling to be in this world in 2022 in the city of Springfield or wherever you live, Urbana, Mechanicsburg, doesn't matter. The high calling of Jesus for you is to be just like Jesus was in this world. Does it sound too much? Does it sound too high? No, when Jesus has come, he was bold, he was confident, and he would just insist and declare, I am the Father, are one. And I'm not here by accident. I'm here on a mission from God. This is a description of your life. You, we are working hard to make sure you start to believe that you're one with God through Christ. And that your life is not a random hodgepodge of events. You are on a mission to release the life that God put in you. And what hinders that is religion. Millions of Christians don't even have a clue of their high calling in Jesus. And that's what we're doing. We're trying to remove these particles so that you, just like Jesus, you would be able to know your God as a loving Father. You'd be able to have an intimate, close knowledge of him personal experiential tangible knowledge of him and you would be able to carry this knowledge this experiential knowledge of God to others make God known experientially tangibly as a good loving father all right so the title of my message today is righteousness is your true foundation I will talk about the foundation of Christian living and Christian service. To be successful and fruitful as a believer, you need to make sure you have a foundation to build upon. And the Bible declares that the true foundation of a life of a believer is righteousness. And I mean, again, in a sense, I, I'm, I'm facing the same task that Neil faced last week. For many people, the word righteousness is so heavily overused through years that it almost lost its meaning. You don't really understand, what does it even mean? It doesn't feel like it really relates to your life. Yet, the Bible is full of teachings about righteousness. And it also is very important. And if you don't feel it's relevant, and also, so there's a, some of you who don't give a, whatever you don't give about the word, like whatever. It doesn't have to do with my life. I don't know what it means. So yeah, just whatever. Some others of you that you read the Bible, you're serious Christians, you have different concepts of what righteousness is. And because of this murky waters, it's very easy to stay in a contaminated environment 
when you're suppressed and you're not able to experience what God wants you to experience. So I need to do some cleaning up of this word and some defining work today. So what is this foundation I'm talking about? I said it. I'm going to talk about righteousness. So why is righteousness important for every single one of you? Whether you like care or you don't care. If you begin to study the Bible, especially Old Testament, you will soon realize that whatever they call righteousness, if it's present in your life, God's blessings will be present in your life. God's favor will be present in your life. God's smile will be present in your life. If this thing called righteousness is present in abundance. And if it's not so much presence, the opposite is going to be your experience. Just few verses that speak to that. Psalm 512, for you, Lord, bless the righteous. You cover him with favor as with a shield. Does it sound good? To have a protective presence of God that covers you like a shield. Or another one is Proverbs 24, 16. For the righteous fall seven times. It doesn't sound good. But listen, here's the promise. Righteous may fall seven times, but he rises again and again and again and again and again. You become a comeback boy, right? Like nobody can knock you down forever if you're righteous. You're like, you want to be that? I want to be that. But it says that the, the, the opposite of righteous, the wicked one, any calamity comes, boom, never gets up again. Gone. So uh, basically, you, it's, this idea, this model is not only in the Scripture. It's throughout the Scripture in the Old Testament. That's why it's relevant. That's why you cannot afford not to care about what righteousness is. You need to figure this thing out and understand how it works and to see how it applies to you, how it relates to you. Well, basically, just to summarize this approach... And it's found throughout the Bible, as I said, in, in, in Genesis, in Exodus, in, in all the books of the Old Testament, especially in the book of Psalm. And it's summarized by very last verse of very first Psalm. Psalm 1 verse 6 says, For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. So you want to be righteous in this, in this picture. So, another thing is that expectation, the expectation of the Old Testament is that righteous people will always be blessed by God and will, they will always, there will be noticeable, personal, favorable presence of God. You know the expression, God is with him or God is with her. That's a biblical expression. These words are even spoken about Jesus. When he walked and he did certain things, he didn't do it as God. He was doing it as man. And everybody could recognize, for God is with him. Nicodemus came to Jesus in the middle of the night and he said, I have a hard time with you, Jesus. Because you speak things that are so contrary to what I'm used to here, yet I recognize God is with you. Because no one can do miracles like you unless God is with him. Do you know that's your and my calling to walk in a way that people would recognize that God is with him. God is with you. 
And it's really hard for others to recognize it in you if you yourself don't believe it's possible. And that's what I'm talking about today. The foundation of this reality is righteousness. That's why we really need to get into what is it? What is this righteous, righteousness thing? So the first aspect of righteousness that the Bible speaks about, and trust me, I did my homework. I, I studied theology and I refreshed my knowledge. The first one, the Bible speaks about the righteousness of God first. And basically when it speaks pertaining to God, righteousness means He's perfect. Whatever he does, whatever he thinks, whatever he feels, whatever he speaks is absolutely perfect. You cannot add to that. You cannot uh, subtract from it. It's just right. It always hits the bullseye of the tar target. God is righteous. It also has a connotation of being a righteous judge because he is righteous he is capable and able to look at anyone's life and see how much righteousness is there and to reward or to punish accordingly and that's the concept that we can see through the bible and you go oh dennis i thought you're a grace preacher i am just exercise your patience stay with me Okay, so that's an aspect about God. But then the Bible speaks a lot about our righteousness, human righteousness, righteousness that pertains to us. And basically what it is, it's, it's an alignment with God, with his character, with his nature, with his will. Does this make sense? So... Unlike God, God, whatever he thinks is righteous, it's perfect. Whatever he does, he speaks, is right on. It's just right. Us humans, we can mess things up. We can miss things. We can, we can be closer to the bullseye or we can be a little off or not a little off, like by far, off by far. And we experience both of that. So here's the idea that goes through the entire Old Testament, that you are responsible, you are responsible to align your life to the will and character of God revealed in the Scripture in such a way that your life will be matching. If you ever had kids between their, when they're between two and eight, they constantly do this Funny thing, you look at them and something's wrong. Their left shoe is on the right foot and vice versa. And like, come on. So that's basically being a little off. As being like not quite righteous. And we all feel like most of the time we walk with the left shoe on our right foot and vice versa. You know, and we're trying to like figure things out and change them around and shift them and tweak them. And bring ourselves into more alignments in accordance with God's will, character, and His... Why? Because by doing that, at least according to the Old Testament, you're creating a basis for God's blessing and favor to be poured into your life. Do you hear me? Do you want to know something? It's not the gospel. Whoa, Dennis, what are you saying? It sounds like true what you just said. It is. But the system has been rigged 
in, in your favor. And you have to know it and you have to believe it. So uh, here's the essence of religion. What I just described to you, is that true of the teaching of the Old Testament and the Bible in general? Is it or is it not? It is. So it is. But is it the gospel? No, it isn't. You're right. Well, I don't know whether you're like, just is it a peer pressure or you really know it? I don't know. We'll figure this out together. <laughs> so I'm going to say it again. So the essence of the Old Testament religion that we call Judaism gave the hope that the Old Testament gave to the saints of the Old Testament was to become more and more righteous by their focused effort. So basically the call of the Bible and the Old Testament is to develop, to nurture this focused effort in your life, to get rid of distractions, to be really focused on the pursuit of the most important things and thus become more and more righteous. Hence, increasing the platform in your life for God's favor and pouring to be poured out. And listen to me, friend, that resonates in us. We want to hear those kind of messages. We want to know, and you know what? It sells great. You know, if Neil and I would not know the gospel, we would preach you messages like that every single Sunday. And we would have a great kind of people because we would constantly give them promise that we know the ways to increase your righteousness, which is, by the way, is basically right standing with God, corresponding, matching standing with God. And that's all religion does. It tells you that they know the way, they know the method, they know recipes, how to increase this territory for God to bless. Sells great, can provide for a good life for a preacher. Unfortunately, we've been debilitated by the gospel. We cannot sell you that crap. <laughs> I'm trying to uh, increase my vocabulary. So yesterday I looked for synonym, synonyms for that. So I found like, yeah, baloney, uh, hogwash, what else? There was something else. You guys come up with something nicer for me, all right? Because like I feel I'm overdoing it in church. All right. So uh, this is the backbone of religion. And it's biblical. So that's the problem. The reason people don't know the gospel because they mix this religious message that is biblical, that is in the Bible, with the crazy good news of the gospel. They make this hodgepodge and they sell it and it doesn't work. And it will never work. Because there are only two kinds of righteousness in this world. God's righteousness and self-righteousness. God's righteousness and self-righteousness, and they're not compatible at all. You cannot mix them up. You cannot swallow them together. If you want the gospel to work in your life, get rid, say goodbye, farewell to self-righteousness, which is a self-achievement, focus effort. And the funny thing, our soul 
response resonates with this kind of preaching. I remember I was like 17 years old and our youth pastor was preaching about, you know what? If you want to see the power of God in your life, you got to pay the price. And I was like, yeah, someone to pay the price. Because it, it gives me promise to make something significant out of my life. And so many young people resonate with that. They want their life to matter. They want their life to leave a mark. And even if you grow up, if you didn't become total cynic, you still believe it's possible. Maybe God can just use me. What can I do to be anointed by God to affect others for the kingdom of God? And if a preacher comes and tells you, here's what you should do. You should fast. You should learn how to fast. You should learn how to get away from everything and just pray. Bull crap. That's not the gospel. Is it biblical? Yes. But it's a backbone of religion. Some people believe that good things happen because they prayed for a certain number of hours or years or months or whatever. That's not true. Revival and grace come and stir things up, not because you prayed or your grandmother prayed for you. It's a wonderful thing that your grandmother prayed for you, but you're saved not because of that. You're saved by God because God prayed for you. God wanted you. And he, he actually stirred up your grandmother to pray for you. And even you had no grandmother. You have no clue who your grandmother is. It doesn't matter. Jesus prayed for you. I'm getting distracted, but... I want you to remember that this is the backbone of any religion and any religious mindset. Religious promises people to teach them insights and methods to give them practical tools that will enable them to reach higher levels of their standing with God. That's the first sign, first red flag. As soon as you feel somebody is selling you, peddling higher levels, deeper something with God, and they know how to do it exclusively. They know some secret ingredients, silver bullets. Just know somebody is trying to sell your religion again. Good standing with God, which is righteousness, foundation of righteousness, is a gift of God in Jesus Christ. Break the backbone of religion by just preaching this message to yourself. All right, so, oh boy. And I'm telling you, we still have so much of this mindset in us. I have a lot of this mindset in me. Neil has a lot of this mindset in, in him. But I'm telling you, those toxins are going away from my system. Oh my goodness, and from your system. And I can see it. And I can, we hear testimonies every week. That's why I know what we're preaching is true. Because God breathes with his spirit on the word of the gospel. And when God breathes, things happen. And we hear people cross their chicken line and they, they speak up the words of truth. And they reach out and they pray and they see things happen. They begin to see miracles. I've never seen so many miracles, healings, deliverances. Pro true prophetic manifestations, angelic activities in my entire Christian life. I've been Christian for 30-some years. Only last seven years, I live in the thick of the new covenant. Do you want me? 
to tell you the secret how I learned it? Yeah, you pray three hours a day. You read your Bible fervently, King James only. No, no. I discovered Jesus. I rediscovered the goodness of God manifested in the gospel. The same thing is happening with Neil. The same thing is happening with Wes. The same thing is happening with all of you guys. And I'm so glad, so glad. We, we desperately need to break this backbone in our life. So the first, need, the first thing that you need to understand is that, that there are only two kinds of righteousness. I have told you already. One is self-righteousness which is effort-based, focused effort. That's the, and it changes the level, supposedly, of your standing with God. That's why it always fluctuates. One day you feel like, you're, oh, you've done it. Man, you've done it. You got up early, and you prayed, and you read, and you felt something, and you got a goosebumps, and you even spoke about Jesus to somebody, and you got your badge again. And as soon as you do that, God is God. I mean, experientially, tangibly, the Spirit of God is, boom, is not moving. Years ago, since it became a trend for preachers to confess their sins in front of the congregation, I'll, I'll repeat uh, Neil's pattern. <laughs> well, I, it just, it doesn't matter. You all sin, guys. I know every once in a while you do stupid things, and God is totally aware of that, and He's not mad, and He's not upset. He's he wants you to learn things about yourself. And sometimes he wants you to understand things about yourself. Well, anyway, years ago, uh, I did something that was, was sinful, was wrong. And it just like, crushed me immediately. And I felt like I'm defiled. I don't have any closeness with God. God is far all of a sudden. And I don't know. Now I have to go through this, I don't know how many days of... Uh, self-flagellation and feeling sorry and remorseful and then somehow you kind of get to the point when oh, God thinks okay that's enough okay all of a sudden the very next day was Sunday and I thought like how in the world I'm going to come to the church feeling that crappy and I did and the spirit of God just overwhelmed me and there was so much love of God that I like whoa I was I was, I was in the middle of heavenly, holy place, I, and I couldn't understand it. And that's a sign of the gospel. You, you see what I'm trying to say? God's personal presence is available, is given to you in Christ Jesus. And it's, it's based on the righteousness that is given to you as a gift. So Paul writes, here's the, here's the tricky part. If we don't understand God's righteousness and we don't understand that it's incompatible with self-righteousness, we will constantly try to mix them without knowing and self-righteousness will always overcome. And if self-righteousness overcomes... You are not in a spot where grace is flowing. It says that God resists the proud and he gives grace to humble. The gospel will always humble you and give you a lot of grace and a lot of joy. 
The gospel begins when you come to the end of yourself. <laughs> and he fills you. He fills you immediately. As soon as you say, okay, I've got nothing, Lord. I'm empty. He says, yes, finally. Finally. Ooh. And the floods, the, 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 it may begin as a little trinkle, but then it becomes rivers of living water flowing in you. That's the power of the gospel. It has nothing to do with your efforts. It has everything to do with your openness to receive, to receive. Romans 10, 3, 4. The book of Romans, Paul expands on the gospel and he explains the gospel. And then he also expresses in chapter 10, he expresses his heart. And he had a grief in his heart because his fellow brothers, Jewish people, they did not see it. They did not see the gospel looked to them as a scandal. They couldn't understand how in the world can God justify the guilty. Because in the book of Proverbs, it actually says that it's abomination to justify the guilty and to acquit, to justify the guilty or to blame the innocent. It's abomination. But listen, that's what God did. This is the essence of the gospel. You're guilty and he justifies you. He acquits you. He forgives you. He declares you as you have never sinned, as, you, as if you have never sinned. At the expense of himself, his own son, he took it all upon himself. Well, anyway, I'm, I'm getting distracted. So in Romans 10, he says, <clears throat> he speaks about his Jewish brothers, and he said, for being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. There's so many Christians today who still don't understand the righteousness of God. And they're just like these Jewish people. They're zealous in their pursuit for God and God's things. They want God. They desire God. And they buy all these preachings and teachings how to increase the standing with God, good standing with God. And it's not happening. They're not getting any traction. And at the end of the day, most of them are broken and devastated. Because the righteousness of God is a gift that you receive with empty hands as a gift. And you lose any ground for boasting. And you lose any ground for judging anyone. Amen. You can't judge anyone because your judgment usually is compared. is based on your comparison of this person with you. And you think, I'm better off. This guy is almost worthless. Look at me. Or you do the same thing to yourself, to yourself. You look at somebody who looks like way better than you and look like, I'm a worthless piece of nothing. Because look at him. You know what you're doing? You're still playing the game of self-righteousness. But if you come to the end of yourself 
and said, Jesus, I need you. Immediately in that moment, you become righteous. Righteous person of God. You know, we're in the middle of this season, Christmas. And how many of you love Christmas season? I love Christmas season. I mean, I know like historically Jesus wasn't even born in December. Who cares? I mean, like Jesus is alive. I celebrate his birthday every day. I celebrate his death and resurrection every day. Praise the Lord. You can take any day of the calendar and celebrate Jesus. But this season is awesome because people give gifts to each other. They give presents to each other. I mean, some of you, I mean, you need deliverance because you go like, it's going to kill my budget. And some of you go, yes, I get to give gifts to a lot of people, ha! <laughs> you know, but, but all of you probably remember when you were a kid, when you didn't have to think about money. You just, it's coming. It's coming. Mom, how many days are left? Seven. Oh, seven. Oh, it's eternity. Three. Oh, three. Oh, two. Oh, oh, I'm getting close. One, ha, ah, ah. ha. Is it tomorrow morning? Yes, ah, I'm going to bed early. <laughs> Why? Because next morning you're running to that stupid tree. Beautiful. But like, come on, who cares? You care what's underneath the tree. And there's uh, boxes, tons of boxes and, I don't know, packages. And you're like, ah, <laughs> what is this? Oh, cool. Oh, oh, my favorite toy. Oh, You'll shoot your eye out. No. Remember. <laughs> you know what I'm describing right now? I'm describing in the essence of Christian life. You are a kid still. I don't care how old you are. And God loves you so much. And he gave you huge box called the gospel. And every single day for the rest of your life is going to be the best day ever because you get to unpack. That's what we're doing here. That's what you're supposed to do in your private time. You unpack. You unpack. You take and you unpack and you look at it and you examine it and you try to play with that. But the first thing you need to unpack is the gift of righteousness. It's the basis upon God, upon which God pours out the waterfall of grace. I'm going to read you, I don't have much time left, but I'm going to read you my final scripture, main text of today. Please write it down. And think about it this week. Meditate upon it. Pray about it. Dig into it. Let it sink in. It's found in Romans. And it's kind of a large portion. But it's so beautiful. It's so pithy. Romans chapter 4 verse 20. It begins there. And it goes all the way through chapter 5 verse 1. So for those of you who want to take a note. And Think about it through the week. Romans chapter 4, verse 20, all the way through chapter 5, verse 1. So Paul is talking about Abraham. 
And you know, Abraham was a father of the nation for Israel. And he is the father of faith for us. So he says, no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. Listen, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. Here's the story of Abraham. God chose Abraham and he gave them the word of promise. That was when God called Abraham, it was nearly impossible to fulfill. But finally, Abraham got to the point when it was absolutely impossible to fulfill. And Abraham recognized his utter inadequacy and insufficiency. He came to the end of himself and he said, I put all of my trust, God, into what you have promised to me. Because I can't. But you said it's going to happen. So take me. It says in that very moment, God granted him the gift of righteousness. Listen, it says that just like that, But the words, it was counted to him, Paul writes, were not written for his sake alone. That's verse 23. But for ours also. It will be counted to us. This is the most important verse right now, beginning 24 and 25. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, this is the gospel right now, who was delivered up to die, it means, for our trespasses, meaning our sins, and was raised for our justification. So just like Neil had to deal with your feelings because we stumble over our feelings, because we read the words of truth and our feelings do not corroborate Paul shows that the gift of righteousness and the abundance of grace is not based on your feelings. It's not anchored. It's not rooted in your feelings. Listen, it's namely, under, it's, 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 it's rooted in the death and resurrection of Jesus. It's a historical event. So, okay, guys. How many of you are righteous right now? Raise your hand. Well, some do, some don't. doesn't matter. Let me ask you this. How many of you feel righteous right now? Well, almost none. Great. How many of you believe that Jesus died on the cross? Raise your hand. Well, if you do, it says this death on the cross has dealt with all of your sins ever committed in the past, in the present, and in the future. Now, how many of you believe that Jesus was raised from the dead? Raise your hand. That historic factual event tells me that you were declared righteous. And if that's true, 
If the death of Christ is true, your sins have been forgiven. If he was risen from the dead, you're declared righteous. And if that's true, guys, I'm, 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 I'm almost done. <clears throat> Here's the climactic point of that, that it, verse 1 in chapter 5. Therefore, that's a summary. If Jesus died for your sins, and if he was raised by God the Father, that's therefore for your justification. Since we have been justified by faith, listen, we have peace with God. That's God's testimony about you and me. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, verse 2. I'm sorry, verse 2 should be included. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. If the death of Christ is historical fact, it was for your sins. If his resurrection has happened, it was for your justification. And if it's true, you're declared righteous. And if you're declared righteous, you stand in the spot where God's grace is poured out like Niagara Falls. You are called to become, and it says we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. It's not talking about future when you pass away, when you die and go to heaven. You live like that now. You live in anticipation of God's breaking through in your life and through your life into the lives of Father with His personal presence. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information about our church, visit vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge.